Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Scrub Den podcast. I hope you've all been keeping well. I'm super excited to introduce another special guest this week. We have with us today Lucy, who you may all know as Lucy Arts. A bit of a background about her is she's a freelance calligrapher. She's an art teacher and all-round art enthusiast. She's been freelancing for about eight years now, um, doing a lot of private commissions, but she's probably known for her collaborative work with brands such as Qatar Airways, John Lewis, Bobby Brown. Um, and she also teaches workshops for adults who are invested and want to learn more about calligraphy. Um, thank you for coming on to the show, Lucy. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Thank you for having me. A heads up to all our listeners, Lucy is super modest, she, she always downplays her achievements, she's done exceptionally well um, and today I thought we can do something different because we have loads of young female listeners that are planning to pursue calligraphy and a profession such as art which perhaps isn't always seen as a stable or a very lucrative way to go so hopefully we can kind of break down those misconceptions and inspire a whole new generation. Um, from my listeners so I think the best place to start is how did you get into calligraphy um, what does calligraphy entail for our listeners that may not be too familiar with the term um, so calligraphy is essentially handwriting um, which sounds really boring when you put it like that but um, calligraphy is basically art and handwriting combined so you've got different styles of calligraphy you can do Arabic calligraphy Chinese calligraphy um, and modern calligraphy um, so I kind of got into calligraphy um, the first time round was um, GCSE time. I was kind of um, looking at a bookshelf, um, looking for inspiration for some of the work that I had to do. And I was really, really uninspired at that point. Um, mm. And I came across this book. Unfortunately, I don't remember the book. It's such a shame that I don't remember. But um, there's this book and it caught my eye because um, it had Arabic calligraphy but it had it in like a in like a more art form rather than the way I'd seen it before. Uh, obviously, growing up Muslim, mm-hmm. I'd, you know, we read the Quran and it's seen as more something that we just read, we understand, mm-hmm. we take away with us. I never saw it as a form of art until then. Mm-hmm. So that was my first kind of experience of seeing Arabic calligraphy. And I was really drawn to it. So I took it away. I drew, um, you know, I used that as my main focus um and mm-hmm. i did some work from it and i got a lot of like really good feedback and at that point i was like oh okay maybe this is something that i'm really interested in so yeah that was my first experience of it were you always interested in kind of like would you describe yourself as a creative individual someone that's artistic so even before gcse times were you someone that kind of throughout secondary school used to kind of sketch perhaps be into like literature was creative something you were passionate about way before you were introduced to calligraphy Yes, definitely. Um, even before secondary school, actually, primary school, um, I, like, luckily, I'm really grateful. I've got really supportive dad. Um, my mum mm-hmm. was a bit more sensible, um, but my dad was really, really yeah. supportive. Um, and he kind of, ever since I was little, I think he kind of realised that um, my sister was more kind of going towards the the academic subjects. Um, and I was really mm-hmm. into creative mm-hmm. things and I would just sketch and doodle and things like that. And um, he was mm-hmm. great in the sense that he he kept all of those pictures and those sketches that I did. Oh, and wow. um, yeah, he did. And he also, um, there was something that I remember once he was trying to explain and he couldn't explain it and I drew it for him. Um, and he went mm-hmm. on to go and pass it on to whoever he needed to pass it. And I think the feedback that he got was um, this person said to him, oh, your daughter, like, how old is she? And I was six at the time. And he was like, oh, wow, you know, the fact that she can draw this and it makes it easier to explain. That's really good. Um, so, yeah, mm-hmm. I'm really grateful that my dad, he kind of pushed, um, he pushed that and he never let me forget it. So every time he wanted me to draw another picture, he would say, oh, you know, it's been a while since you drew, drew a picture. Or he'd give me the things. He he was really supportive in the things of buying me things um, because obviously art materials can be quite expensive. Um, so he really, really um, mm-hmm. encouraged me when I was younger. Um, there was also where I used to live, um, an art, the art university um, in Holborn. Mm-hmm. Um, and he used to, whenever we used to walk past, my dad used to say, oh, when my daughter grows up, she's going to go to that university. So it was really like he he mm-hmm. pushed it 
from when I was really young so yeah in terms of now balance so obviously at school I can imagine from our sort of background uh, the academic side of the world is very important how did you balance it then in terms of pursuing your sort of creative element and where you felt like you belonged whilst also sort of making sure you had that safety net of the academic sort of background how did you balance that um so actually when I was younger when you know when you ask kids what do you want to become when you're older I would say artist mm-hmm. um when I got to okay. about you know yeah the beginning of um secondary school and you can kind of get a vibe of people so people would kind of go oh, oh all right okay um and what if that doesn't work out what would you do mm. um so obviously like as I got a little bit older I started to realize mm, I'm you know this might not be something that I can do um, but I was always mm. creative, um, so I took that creativeness and I um, turned it turned it towards English, especially English mm. literature. And I would read a lot, and I'd read a lot of fiction, um, and then I'd also write a lot of creative writing. And that was my way of yeah. doing something more academic and, I guess, like in inverted commas, um, acceptable, um, but also mm. having my creative outlet at the same time. About that comment when you t- when you sort of told people, you know what, I'm interested in the arts and not the, the sciences. I think there are loads of females, loads of males, lo- loads of students and young listeners out there, especially for the Scrubbed In um, podcast, who are thinking, I am interested in the sort of freelance world of videography, of um, being an artist, being a creative and not the sort of typical um, job and academic based work there is. How did you deal with that sort of... I imagine that you came across a lot of people who had that sort of reaction. Did it ever affect you? Did it ever sort of set you back a little bit? Oh, definitely. That's actually the reason why I started doing creative writing because obviously I still need it with creatives. One way or another, your um, creativity is going to come out (laughs) um, because you feel like you're not... um, you know, you feel like there needs to be some kind of creative release. Um, So that was coming out in my creative writing. Um, and I was doing really well with English um, and my teacher was really supportive. Um, hence why I went on to actually study English um, because it did have an effect on me um, of people saying, oh, right, OK, you want to do art. That's great. But what about, you know, what else would you do? What else is your backup plan? Almost um, what really they were saying to me was this isn't really something that's going to work out. So perhaps you should think about something else. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I think that's a shame. Yeah. And it's when we had Camille who who's obviously a dentist but who also happens to be a poet, it's I think it's a shame in society that any sorts of creative arts, like acting, being an artist, etc., it's always like you'll never make it, it's not safe, you can't pay the bills doing art, you can't mm. pay the bills painting. Yeah. And I feel a lot of potential talent is wasted because obviously the society pressures you're fortunate where your dad was very supportive but there are other especially in ethnic minorities where the dad will be yeah. like, what you want to be an artist and i'm sure it yeah. happened for like makeup artists like yeah. makeup artists back in the days before the new famous ones came out were like what who, who wants to do it and then once you realize you're paying 300 quid a pop <laughs> yeah. and every all of a sudden even that's a lot more than the sons, 300 that's was like what are you more start doing makeup from yeah. faces? <laughs> do you know do, do you know what i mean but i think yeah. it's the same and i think a lot of people maybe not as resilient as you were like oh do you know what you're everyone's right let me not do something that can't pay the bills let me do something else and i feel they're very suppressed and i don't think it's a very good place to be um so while we're on that topic what advice would you give to people that maybe we have a gcse listener an aspiring student that wants to be a calligraphist that wants to be an art teacher but she's worried what advice would you give to those individuals um okay i'm gonna actually sound i'm kind of gonna contradict myself here but um, I do obviously teach um, GCSE students um, and yeah. I do have kids that are, you know, by kids I mean students um, that are mm. quite young. Um, and if that, if I see that they're quite creative, I tell them, of course, 100% pursue this, you know, create a portfolio, don't give up this mm. dream, but also have a plan B um, because you don't know. Um, I don't want to say, yes, 100%, go for drama. Yes, go for music, go for art. And then when they're 22 years old, out of university, they're like, okay, my teacher told me to go for this, but what now? You know, where is she now? I can't find a job. Um, so it is, unfortunately, it's still seen as something that isn't 
um, employable maybe or as employable um, is still seen as something, mm. oh, you've got to be careful. Um, don't just rely, all I would say and, and all I do say is to my students, yes, I want you to continue doing this because you're very talented in it and I don't want you to forget about it. But at the same time, um, have something as a backup. So for me, uh, you know, I can go back on my own examples. I had art, but I also had English. Um, so if something did happen where my art didn't work out, I have my English there. And if my English, I get bored of it or I don't want to go into that career path, then I've got my art to fall back on. Like have two different things um, ready because you, you actually never know what could happen. I think to be fair, that is such like a, a teacher thing. They're always looking out and they're kind of preparing <laughs> you for life. Um, <laughs> So we can touch on the teacher stuff a bit later on, which is also interesting because you are an art teacher. So yeah. with the calligraphy, you kind of were always a creative. As you grew older, um, you started to do more and more drawing. Your work was a bit more noticed. What, so tell, take us through that eight year journey where it's something you did in your bedroom. Perhaps you, you shared it with friends and family to the point where if I go to Lucy Arts Instagram, I'm seeing you in John Lewis, I'm seeing you in Harrods, I'm seeing you work with big brands and thinking, wow, like, yeah, this is a calligraphy artist and she's working with these big brands. I know it's not an overnight success as many people think. Take us through that journey. How did it start? Who were the first customers? How did you get to the point you are now? Again, I was actually studying English literature at university. Um, I'd got to my second year of uni and I'd actually given up art completely by then. I just thought it was something that I did for GCSE A-levels and it was something that I did on the side. And really, when you're doing in English, um, especially with the amount of books you've got to read, you don't have time to sit and experiment with art. So mm. I was kind of getting a little bit frustrated with um, uni because I wasn't able to do what I really wanted to do. Mm. So I went to my mum and I actually said, um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to quit uni. <laughs> and you know when you kind oh. of expect <laughs> your mum to say, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, when you expect your mom to be like, no, you're not. So then that's the end of conversation. Yeah. She kind of went, okay, yeah. what are you going to do? And I was like, oh, mm. okay. Um, oh, okay. She <laughs> kind of wants me to give her something to, to say here. So I said, you know, I'll do artwork. She was like, okay, give me something substantial that you can do. If you quit uni, that's fine. You're telling me you want to quit uni, mm. but have you got something else sorted? And I was like, no, I don't. So thankfully, um, she kind of gave me that wake up call at that point. Um, I didn't quit uni, mm. I did continue finishing uni, but what I did at that point is I realised that I wanted to go back into painting. So I was anonymous mm. um, with Lucy Arts for um, four years of um, oh, wow. the whole eight years that, that I've been doing this, yeah. So I was really shy about my work, like I just felt it was a bit, oh look at me, this is what I've done and here it is. So I didn't really want to do that, I didn't want to show my face um, and not many yeah. people knew that I was doing it. So what happened was, um, it was it was obviously eight years ago, Facebook was a thing. Um, Instagram wasn't such a thing at the time. Um, so I was sharing my work on my Facebook page. And then I, you could, sorry, on my Facebook profile. So my friends um, knew it was me. And they were really, really supportive. But I thought, okay, they're just my friends. Obviously, they're going to be supportive. Um, your friends are always going to tell you that it looks great. Um, it's when they yeah. started sharing my work on their page, pages mm -hmm. and... Um, that's when other people started to say and said, oh, this looks really nice. Who did this? Um, and mm. your friends wouldn't share it unless, you know, they, they wanted to kind of share it. I never asked anybody to, to share it. So I made a Facebook page um, and that grew and grew and grew. And then I had, I actually remember my first customer. Um, he came to me and mm. he said, I've, I've seen your work. Um, and obviously at this point, I didn't even know that this was a thing. Um, but he said, oh, I've seen your work, but I wondered if you could do this particular painting but can you do it in this color and with this verse mm. and um and then he said mm. how much and I just I was like what mm. how much like what <laughs> somebody wants to pay me to actually do this yeah um yeah so yeah like so when was your first customer so was it within a year was it within six months was it a week w what is that timeline okay this is really um all I remember is um going to my mum at the um mm beginning of the second semester at uni um yeah i think um and then i got my mm. first customer roughly around may june um so okay. when he and, and there was a gap between my first customer and then the next time but what mm. happened is um i created the work yeah. 
I took a picture of yeah. it, really bad quality picture against like, <laughs> it was really embarrassing to actually look back on. Um, and then I posted yeah. it and I said the size and I mm. put the price and then that was it. That yeah. was the thing. Like people were like, okay, now she's selling it. it. Yeah. Because at that, yeah. when you, when you make it clear that this, I'm selling this, yeah. it's not just my hobby. People will start going, all oh, right. Okay. Yeah. So now I can go to her for commissions. Um, so this is what I always yeah. tell people to do, like make it clear that you're there to sell, make it clear that it's not just a portfolio, make it clear that it's not just, oh, here I am sharing an online gallery. This is how you get in touch with me. This is my fees mm. or my prices. And then it's a thing. Um, so yeah, that was my first customer and he started it all off. So yeah, it was... And Shout he, out and to he... that first customer <laughs> who, who, who started a journey yeah. that is, I'm sure at that age, how did you feel when when you got that first experience of someone loves your work so much so they're willing to pay for it? Did you get a little buzz? Did you get a kick? Did you start in that moment thinking, I might be onto something? Yeah, when did it kick in that this this could be a career? To be honest, to this point, I still don't, I'm, I'm still get a buzz out of every single customer, like a new customer. Every new customer is exciting because mm. you're, because I'll still, to this day, I'll say, I've got six orders today like and, and i'll be really grateful for it so every new cu- every customer you should have that same buzz but also i think when i realized that i could do it as a, as a job was when i was getting more than one order a day and i just thought wow mm-hmm. this is this i wasn't expecting this i didn't expect to sell any at all like i, I hadn't gone into this thinking i'm creating a business i didn't have a business plan yeah. i didn't have any idea mm-hmm. Um, when I started it, now there's quite a few calligraphy artists um, online. Yeah. Um, but at the time, there was nobody. There was nobody that I knew yeah. of. Um, so it wasn't like I was looking at someone going, oh, this is what I want to be like. Or this is, oh, she's doing it so I can do it. He's doing it so I can do it. At the time, there was nobody. Mm. Um, or nobody that I knew of. So Yeah, I think you are quite early to the game. Um, the main yeah. thing is, like, you're very good. You're very talented at what you do. Like, Thank your work you. speaks for itself. And eve despite being anonymous like you're like the banksy of of like calligraphy <laughs> like your work speaks for itself and like you didn't need to have a story you didn't have to put your face there and kind of bombard people that in itself is like a testament of like how amazing the work is um but yeah you were like i knew obviously i knew lucy from before of this but everyone knew like you are the calligraphy queen or per se what you were going to call it and a lot of people are coming up now um but the thing i've liked about you compared to other ventures not just calligraphy it's you're very supportive of other individuals and you kind of share their work whereas i can imagine when artists are artists they're very close and they're not big fans of promoting other people how have you found the calligraphy world to be are you all very supportive of each other or are you all kind of each to their own um so rather than just a calligraphy um kind of world we've got i've got a Mm. artist whatsapp group (laughs) which sounds really weird now that yeah <laughs> um sounds really weird now that I say it but um but I actually haven't met most of the people on that group um but we're all very um supportive of each other so for example if somebody's got like a um a exhibition or something happening mm-hmm. and to be honest I don't even know all of their people's names on there I just know their Instagram handles mm-hmm. um but okay. we have always been there is an there is a older group and there's a newer group <laughs> of calligraphy or artists. Um, and the older yeah. group, they're actually a lot older than me. Um, and they're very, very mm. supportive. Um, and for me, I've always thought, I want to also continue that. Like, I don't want to be somebody... That, it's not just art material is there for everybody. Anyone can walk into an art shop and buy it. Um, so for me, I've always wanted to yeah. share that. Um, I've spent a lot of money trying to figure out what works for mm. me and what will work for this type of mm-hmm. um, art that I'm doing. I don't want to hold that back. I don't want to be, oh, I, I don't want to tell you because I don't want you to go and yeah. do that. Everyone has their own style. Art is so, 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 you know, personal and unique. Mm-hmm. Um, nobody could do it exactly the same as I do anyway. Um, and I can't do exactly mm-hmm. the same as somebody else does. So sharing the same materials isn't going to do anything. Um, and it's not yeah. going to, you know, and I've got my group of people who come to me anyway. Um, I think sometimes um, when we come out with this like creative businesses, sometimes people can be a bit like, oh, I'm not going to tell you anything. Um, I'm going to keep it to myself. Um, And I've never seen the point of that because 
it's art and it's so unique and it's so individual there's no point you hiding it mm. you're not going to achieve anything yeah. by doing that um if anything yeah. i've i want to push people to do it because i want to see firstly more women doing this um mm. boy you know young boys i do see it obviously my students i do see that when there are boys mm. that are interested in art other boys will put put them off mm. um yeah. and i don't like seeing that so i can be like i really want to encourage that also i want to show mm. you can make money out of this um that there's a lot of money mm. in in this as well like don't think that oh it's art and oh how much can you really make um actually yeah. if you push you can you can make money in anything but you've got to be there you and don't also expect to see it straight away as well on on that point um so you made two particular points number 1 you said you spent a lot investing and experimenting and number 2 you said don't expect to make money straight away tell us a little mm-hmm. take us a step back prior to your first customer and tell us how many pieces were you doing say on a week to week basis on a month to month basis how many uh, different styles of painting did you try i don't really know the field well so, but take us through the journey of how much hard work went into you sort of becoming the expert that you are right now um firstly i don't think i'm an expert <laughs> but um i still think that i'm learning we like, all do on the audience on side journey. yeah <laughs> no yeah you still you're always <laughs> learning um I was literally just mm. doing it because I was sick of uni um and I was sick of the the um degree that I was doing I just thought I've just done this for the sake of it I really wanted to do art actually I didn't want to mm. do that but then at the same time I also had my mum who's quite sensible where she said to me what would you do with art you know she's yeah. more kind of mm. south asian parent where she said no nope, mm. what are you really going to do with that whereas my dad was always very 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 like let's go for it it doesn't matter let her do it if that's what mm-hmm. she enjoys yeah um so it wasn't much effort for me to put in and say oh let me you know push myself to create four or five pieces so i can post it and then lots of people can see it and then i'm going to grow that wasn't my intention my intention was just here i am i'm making this work and i'm just posting it and that's why i remained anonymous because i didn't really care um and but the thing is it's consistency um because i you have to do something that you enjoy if you do something that you enjoy you're going to do it naturally and when you do it naturally you're going to grow naturally you're going to develop your style naturally you're going to do absolutely and th- this is going to be with any field um you've got to enjoy what you're doing mm. otherwise there will come a point mm. where you have to stop because you're going to reach a point where you, you can't motivate yourself to do it anymore and that kind of goes on to the point where you put in the work you for you it's something that you are able to turn your passion your hobby into something which you can monetize how did it get to the point where now you're working with big brands like John Lewis Harrods because when i saw those pictures and i was like wow this is super cool it's like yeah. you would never think brands like this will kind of associate themselves with like calligraphy yeah islamic calligraphy how was it how did you get yourself out there did it was it you reaching out to them or did they reach out to you how did that relationship build yeah um so that's to be honest um my first brand collaboration was with a company called Dubai Tourism um for um mm. world travel market which is like a huge huge thing that happens at um the Excel center um and this was in 2016 mm. and when they first reached out to me um the email was you know it was worded so it was, it was <laughs> foreign to me almost they were like um how much is your fee this is what we're doing this is how many yeah. people we attract we attract about like 35 to uh 45,000 people to our event oh, wow. um wow. how much would you charge yeah. um how much would you charge for a three day event these are the times that you'd have to do it we'd provide all the materials all you have to do is be there hmm. and i was just like hmm. um okay <laughs> like what how, <laughs> how did you process I could that have literally... how do you even <laughs> email um exactly like how do you even process that and i thought i looked online and i was like what do artists charge what's artist fees um and <laughs> yeah. you know luckily i had that group um that i could ask i've got um you know that whatsapp yeah. group that i could say you know guys this is who i've been approached by i obviously did a quick google mm. search and found out who dubai tourism were they are a huge mm. huge company um so i was like yeah. uh this could be really weird and this this could be something but um yeah i kind of gave them my fee they were like yep yeah, that's fine mm. and i was like okay there was no negotiating there was no like yeah, and i was wow. like wow <laughs> damn it i could have asked like for more reward, isn't it? 
yeah yeah because <laughs> yeah, at that point you were like wait if i said uh, a grand more two grand XML, more would they have yeah, said yes yeah. yeah so they were like okay you know let us know how it works um and i said what do you need me to where or you know have you got you and they said yeah. Which, whatever like yeah, literally yeah. turn up however you want i said right can i bring my wow. business cards yep you can do that and i just thought okay yeah. this is this is ridiculous like i'm so confused um but i went yeah. there and um it got a lot of attention um because obviously they had mm. people coming from all over and um mm. what they essentially why i get hired by brands is is customer activation so as people are walking mm -hmm. past they won't just see, you know, the products, but they'll see a person sitting there personalizing. And, yeah. and people are always yeah. drawn to things that are personalized. Um, and especially if your name isn't that common, um, you're like, oh, that looks mm. really exciting. So people would stop by and that's also a networking, it's, it's a really good way to network. So people will come over and they'll say, mm. oh, wow, this is what you do. All right, so do you do it for this? Do you do it for that? And I'm like, I guess so, because this was my first yeah um collaboration but at the same time it wasn't anything yeah. like john lewis and things that i had grown up around um so between mm. 2016 to 2018 i didn't actually have any other brand collaborations and i thought okay that was one cool thing that i did i can leave that on the side mm. um and then i got an email from john lewis um so i think um you asked me if i had ever pitched to these brands i've never pitched to brands yeah um again mm -hmm. it's because i'm mm -hmm. like super shy about it like I feel a bit silly going oh this is what I do um would you like to work with me I've never yeah. known how to do that but it's something that I really want to start yeah. doing um so mm. I got an email from John Lewis really really informal like really informal they said um we want to bring in more customers for Eid um and we've seen we've had a look at your page um how much would you charge for mm. this so essentially what was meant to happen with mm. John Lewis is um two days two days of literally four mm. hours each day and they said what's your fee and I tend to always give it as and this is what I advise um giving it as an hourly rate rather than a like a whole thing because it looks I easier you, to I kind of bumped it up from the last one <laughs> yeah Lucy at least um, you bumped it up <laughs> <laughs> um yeah well I have but um there's been obviously I've lost out on a lot of collaborations this year but you know um so yeah this this yeah. uh John Lewis approached me they said how much would you charge I bumped it up since um, Dubai Tourism and I was like, okay, cool. Um, but then what happened with John Lewis is when you're there, again, like I said, it's such a it's a perfect opportunity to network. Um, so people come along mm. from different um, stores. Oh, would you come to my store? Um, you don't know who's walking around. You don't know who you're going to bump into, yeah. who you're going to speak to. Um, and when people see you, they leave their card or they take your details. Um, and then they do contact you. It does come to a point where they contact you. So... Um, yeah, that's how it happened. The same happened with um, Joe Malone. Joe Malone actually came because of John Lewis. Um, so somebody mm. had seen me working in John Lewis. So they had gone back and they spoke to their head office and said, we've seen, seen them do this in John Lewis. We want her to do it at Joe Malone because it would work really well. Yeah. Um, and then Bobby Brown approached me because of that. They, um, because Joe Malone and Bobby Brown, they have actually concession stores in places like Harrods and Selfridges. Mm. Um you then go on to do, um, you know, store events at Harrods and Selfridges and obviously mm. the Selfridges in other um, cities as well. So I've gone to different cities. And then when you do that, um, again, you're, you can put Harrods and Selfridges as somewhere that you've worked to do your calligraphy. And that yeah. obviously has a different type of cli um, clientele. So you're attracting other yeah. people as you're there. So it just grows and grows on that. So it's not like a there's no one way to do it but i would just say hmm. put yourself in a in a place where you're easily accessible um yeah. so i have a website and everybody that contacted yeah. me has contacted me through my website apart from weirdly um qatar airways was through instagram <laughs> but it's important what you said is um it's especially if you're creative especially if you're in this field you just need to kind of one is expose yourself to as many opportunities as possible yeah because um, you do have a network effect people see your work and they're like i want a bit of that other people may come across and be like this is really cool why don't i get her for my stuff yeah and the second thing is a lot of people focus on single platforms so it might just be word of mouth it might be just on instagram or twitter but having a website i think is such a key key thing because a lot of different people access you for different ways and i think the website is a way of kind of making 
it feel a bit more professional rather than this yeah. is just a hobby this is something that someone's doing on Instagram so when I saw what I liked about you was initially it was a hobby and I imagine it's still a hobby and something you really enjoy but yeah. you saw the opportunity and you made it as professional as possible so it doesn't feel like I'm just dealing with a random person you have a proper setup um, yeah. which is very encouraging to see how did you feel like did you ever think as a young girl growing up that you'd be working with these big big brands that I'm sure we all grew up walking past like how was that experience how what were your parents your friends saying it's still very very exciting I said this on my Instagram the other day I did a bit of a Q&A and somebody said how do you get into brand work um and I said hmm. you're you're the person that they're you know should be more excited to work with because you're the one who's the cu- customer activator you're the one who's bringing something different um to hmm. their products so actually it should be them excited to work with you but obviously there's yeah. there's the thing of you're John Lewis and you've got however many stores yeah. and you've got you know yeah. anyone that you've and you've chosen me to come and work on hmm. your products in your hmm. store hmm. um so it is very very exciting um i never thought it'd be something that I would do it's it's like it's not oh, I'm working with John Lewis or I'm working for John Lewis it's um no. John Lewis has hired me like essentially I could say they they're my client um so they're a exactly. customer yeah. because they have paid me for a service um so that's really yeah. really exciting when you think about it in that ter- in that sense but yeah also you can't um think about it too much because they come around so no, they don't course. come around as often um so mm. you can't really rely on that. With John Lewis, it's an ongoing thing now, which I'm really grateful for. Mm. But that's yeah. because the first time I ever did it, um, it was in the Stratford, Westfield, and mm. it attracted so much attention that um, there were mm. queues going all the way outside of the store into Westfield. Um, and I actually had to get, it was really weird. Um, and I get a bit like yeah. stressed when there's people watching me. So the security was like, yeah. nope, we can't, we can't let anybody else. Um, we've got to take her into the back. So I went into the stock room and I actually finished off all of them because there are people going, oh, and can yeah. you add this and can you add that? So because John Lewis imagine. saw that it was so popular, they asked me to come. Oh, I, yeah. I had no intention yeah, of going back in. Good. Yeah, they were like, oh, so are you free tomorrow? And I was like, yeah, for the money that I'm charging per <laughs> yeah. hour. Yeah, of course. Well, of course. But yeah. I think what you said is quite interesting and I want to kind of go into the world of freelancing because mm. there is a lot of things that a lot of people don't know about the f- freelancing world, which isn't all you know sunny days it's i like the fact that you see it as these brands should be just as excited as you are working with them because you are the talent you are someone they're bringing in because they love your work and it shouldn't Mm -hmm. be like oh my god john lewis has asked me and i need to kind of not charge anything and i need to bend over backwards and do lots of things i like that mentality and i think it's good like you should be happy that you are the the customer activator you are someone that they have choose chose to work with it wasn't always like that like I did have that moment where I was like oh wow they want to work with me um I'll just you know Mm. if if they want to work with me that's it whatever they say I'll accept if they're going to give me a fee if if they're going to say this is our budget then I'll accept but Mm. if you do that not only do you kind of put yourself at a disadvantage you're also putting other artists Mm. at a disadvantage because then like for example Mm. I've got a really close friend who also works with um brands Mm. and she's done some amazing Mm. work and we've spoken quite openly because you have to. And I know that if she, if I charge less, um, then when she is approached by a brand, they'll say, oh yeah, but we spoke to this artist and she said she's gonna charge it. So we kind yeah. of have to, because nobody's done this, we have to create our own um, kind of, yeah, exactly. We've got to level it out to what we wanna be paid. And then if we all stick at that, exactly. that's what brands have got to do. Um, so it wasn't always like that. I was at a stage where I was like, oh, this is really exciting. But then you've got to kind of mm. take it back and go, no, actually, I'm going to stand my ground. And if you're not going to pay me, then I'm not going to do mm. it. I don't care. So I have Fair said enough. no yeah. to certain brands because they've said this is our budget. Mm. And I'm like, no, I'm not going to do that. Um, so it's a shame because I would love to say I'm associated mm. with that brand, but not for nothing or next to nothing. I'm mm. not going to do that. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree with that. I think there was that a, a point where... Um, on Instagram, I noticed lots of videographers were just being sort of commissioned on the basis of you get to be associated with my yeah. brand. Um, and that really devalues their work. I mean, very difficult to be so creative and all mm-hmm. the effort, time in editing. And then you've got these larger so-called brands that come along and say, oh, will you do it for free? And what I'll give you is that 
you're working with me, of course. Um, and and that's so important to value your your own craft. Products. Yeah, yeah. 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 So or they offer you products, yeah, and I'm like, um, yeah. but the products won't pay <laughs> my bills. So exactly. actually, no. Pay your bills. <laughs> yeah. So that takes us on to the to the to the second part. Well, there isn't really any parts. It's you. You're very you're a realist, and you kind of like you don't hide anything, and you say things for what it is, and. I never knew how, I don't know if the word dirty is the right word for freelancing, but how is the world of freelancing? What are the, what yeah, are the pitfalls um, of freelancing? Um, okay, so I didn't know I rant that much. But um, to be honest, it's, it's just, I think everybody before they go into freelance has this big scary thing of, hang on, I'm not going to be paid as often. So you do get paid, mm. if I'm going to talk really like openly, you do get paid big amounts in lump sum, but then you could potentially not get paid for the next three months. So you've got to, you don't know when your yeah. next pay is. So this is why freelancing mm. can be really, um, it is quite like, it's a big step step to take. Um, if you're going to take it and you're going to yeah. become a full-time freelancer, um, it is quite a big step to take because you're constantly chasing. And if you don't put the hours in, obviously you're not going to get anything out. You don't know when your next pay is. Yeah. So for a conventional job, you're going to get paid every month, aren't you? So you know exactly how much you're going to get paid every month and you're great. Um, but with freelancing, it's like this month I may have made X amount. Next month I'm going to make X, X amount. But then the following mm. month, I'm not going to make anything at all. How can I? You've got to be really good at like budgeting and organizing and kind of figuring out, am I going to be okay if I don't get paid for the next three mm. months? Um, so obviously that's a big thing. Um other freelance um, kind of pitfalls, I guess, is there's a lot of chasing. So when I go into my mm. standard nine to five job, um, I don't have to chase mm. to do my, my job. Um, I have to do behavior management to do my job, <laughs> but I don't have to chase, yeah. you know, orders. I don't have to kind of be constantly there. And it's, it's really actually, I think people forget that it's quite tiring um, to keep going at it, to have the consistency yeah have it there and you have to chase customers and you have to be 100% there for every customer because they're a paying customer. Yeah. So, and obviously it's only me that's doing it. So it depends on yeah. if there's a bunch of you doing it, then it's different. You feel a lot of customers feel like, um, a lot of customers feel like, okay, you know, this is just a freelance calligrapher. Like I don't need to pay her on time. You know, it's all right if I delay it by a week or two. Whereas if it was a big brand, if it was someone else, they'll probably pay, you know, on time have you noticed that or do you feel that there is that type of perception from people i think it's also like how you put it out there as well so for me um if somebody's being a bit flaky i'm like okay forget it i'm yeah. i'm not going to chase this um obviously when you're starting out mm -hmm. and if this is your main job and your only job you're going to have to chase that and you know check in and kind of say um you know i'm chasing this order are you are you still interested but for me, if somebody's being quite flaky or they haven't paid, sorry, but I'm moving on to the next person because I've got um, tons of people to get back to and I've got to yeah. give my attention to paying customers. Um, so there are some people, and I've found that people um, that pay less <laughs> are the ones that are like, hey, do you have an update like 24 hours after paying you? Yeah. And then the people that have paid yeah. you a lot more, they're a lot more respectful of the timings. They they're like, know. okay, you know, two weeks. You said two weeks, so it's going to take two weeks. Um but it's also how you put yourself across. So if you show them, um, I really, really need this, they know that you need them, yeah. um, which is kind of bad. Mm -hmm. um, but at the same time, mm -hmm. you've got to value yourself. And that's the main thing that I would say okay. is that you've got to value yourself. Yes, you need that money. Yes, mm -hmm. you need that customer. But it shouldn't mm -hmm. be at the risk of losing four other customers whilst you're just Definitely. sat there Absolutely. concentrating Nothing on that one. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think that's good advice for the people that are maybe, because I'm sure you can tell like a lot, calligraphy is becoming a bit more prominent. A lot more people are kind of entering this industry. Uh, mm -hmm. So I think it's nice to kind of hear from someone that has done it for, for so long. Um, these are things you need to be aware of. These are things you need to be conscious of. Because before kind of meeting you, before understanding this freelancing world, I used to think, oh, wow, he's a freelancer. He's made it. Like, it's like, I can pick and choose when I work. I get a, a shit ton of money. But... Mm. Like you said, freelancing isn't all that, you know, there'll be days when you're killing it and there'll be times when you're not making anything. Yeah, exactly. Like, obviously, you've got to work at making that consistency. Um, so you might have like four months of getting paid really, really good, but you've got to prepare for the time mm. or you have to have prepared for that time 
where it might be a slower period. Like, for example, COVID, nobody could have imagined that we're going to be, because for me, I know summer months are when I'm going to get lots of brand collaborations. Um, So if I was to rely on that solely and, and, you know, Mm. this virus came around, what would have happened? So you've got to actually have some kind of um, backup as well. (laughs) <laughs> I'll get paid and I'll just blow that money and I'm going to be eating bread and baked beans for the next few months so that's I good. think over time yeah, it does, you do get sell. better at it over time though because it's been 8 years so now I've got better at it um, yeah. but yeah Te- technically speaking, Abdul, you're right now a freelance doctor. I am, and I, I am unemployed. You, you've not <laughs> done so it. Lazy. And he hasn't, he hasn't bothered to pick up a single shift yet. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, so that brings me on to stability. Um, how is life as an art teacher? When I found out you were an art teacher, I was like, wow. Like, she's so cool, considering we went through the fully... You cannot get as more academic than us, right? Like <laughs> biology, math, science. We ate it for yeah. breakfast. We, we slept thinking about algebra, right? And then you have someone. I find meeting creatives, people that do things different to us, refreshing. Like medics, all they talk about is medicine. Academics, all they talk about is academia. When you meet someone like you, you're not too fast. You're a bit more free-flowing spirit. How is life as an art teacher? Do you enjoy it? Um, and what do people think when you tell them you're an art teacher? Um... I think they're always really surprised because, um, you, you know, as a South Asian girl, when you say, oh, I'm a teacher, yeah. it's like, okay, mm. cool. Um, when you say you're an art teacher, <laughs> I, I don't know about exactly. you, but I know of all art teachers always being really like wacky <laughs> and strange. Yeah. Um, so they're yeah. Like eccentric. <laughs> yeah, 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 they're yeah. a bit hippie. Um, so people are like, yeah. oh, wow, that, that's quite cool. Like you're an art teacher. How, how did that come about? And um I'm really thankful. Like, I, I really, really love my job. Um, I really mm. love working with kids. Um, not not every day. <laughs> Sometimes it can yeah. be very, very tiring. Um, but they are amazing. Like, no two days teaching is the same, which is what I kind of... I realise that's what I like. Um, with freelancing, mm. no two days are the same. With teaching, no two days mm. are the same. Um, but kids are really, really, like receptive to how you are so if you go into the class really bubbly really Mm. excited and that's the energy that they're going to pick up and that's the energy that's going to go on but if you go in kind of like a bit tired or moody or groggy um kids pick up Mm. on it um so they'll kind of react to that obviously there's like being an art teacher it does have its um downside as well because not everybody's into art um so you've Mm. got to and because you've got to teach it to like a like a whole class um there's got there's going to be about 10 people that are interested in it. like yes i really love art it's my favorite lesson and then there's about yeah. 20 kids that are messing mm. around and just being irritating um so <laughs> i really really like it but then at the same time you've got to be um really enthusiastic at the same time um okay. they also want to see they don't kids don't want to see any anybody just walking in and going okay we're going to do art and it's going to be an arts and crafts lesson they want to see um you actually having done something with it so my students are really i guess motivated when they go and see the stuff that i'm doing they're like oh yeah miss is working with that okay maybe i can do that it's it's really nice because you're Mm. offering you're showing them this is what you can do i'm not just saying i'll do art because airy fairy it's going to work out for you maybe you can do this um I'm showing them something and I'm also saying the realistic side of it is, right, I'm telling you you're really good at art, but at the same time, work on your other mm. subjects as well. Don't forget about them. So, yeah, I, re- I really, really enjoy my yeah. job because no two days are the same. Um, and kids are incredible. Like, the inspiration that they give me, um, a lot of people ask me all the time, like, where do you mm. get your inspiration from? A lot of the times it's from them. They are so, so, like, they come up with the most amazing ideas. Um and it's just like obviously teaching a job that teaching a subject that you absolutely love yourself it's just fun it's just generally really really fun yeah, so yeah. yeah i think it's so inspiring you've been able to take your passion what you love your creativity and everything and to really turn it into something that supports you that keeps oh, you happy you. and still bubbling along i'm really inspired and i really wish you all the best and i wish that you keep on putting all those brand contents and all of those pictures of what you're doing out there because what it does right is for us listeners and for all of us people around you what it does it also consolidates that 
that belief that you know what you can turn a passion into a job into one that's a massive brand because you are a brand now you are a brand amongst the likes of John Lewis I'd say um so I, it's really inspiring that you're teaching your students can see what you're doing can see the associations you're collaborating with so it's absolutely amazing thank you so much for actually doing everything you do thank you so much um thank you and that kind of brings us on to the next point um yeah. you are perhaps probably um someone that can impart advice and like i'm said it's when i see your stuff and when i see you killing it out there and doing so well it's i may not necessarily be a good artist or into calligraphy per se but it helps us with our stuff and like wow look she's grinding she's working so hard these are the opportunities she's coming we should do the same for the people that are enthusiasts out there that want to enter the freelance world that are creatives it can be calligraphy it can be art it can be poetry whatever it is what advice would you give them that are perhaps a bit hesitant that need a bit of inspiration and guidance so kind of practical tips would be um just do it like don't listen there's going to be a lot of people that um even like your teachers even me i'm saying have a backup um plan but don't give up on it don't just put it to the side because essentially that is your talent so lots of people have different talents Mm. and different things and not everybody has a talent so if you've got a talent you've got to it's such a shame to not use it um that's my main thing and that's really really upsets me when i see lots of people that they're really good at something but because um somebody once upon a time told them oh but you know how feasible is this like what are you going to do with it um they've given up on it completely um so firstly even if you do it for yourself um even my students who don't go on to study art at sixth form um I make sure that they create a portfolio. I'm like, no, I don't care. You are going to create a portfolio. Even in 20 years time, if you look back and say, when I was 16, I did this. Um, it's so it's just nice to look back on even for yourself. So one thing I would say is create a portfolio. Mm. Um, perhaps do it in a anonymous way like I did. Um, put it up there just so that it's online. It's not even taking up any space mm. of your you know devices. <laughs> put it up online and you never know who's going to come across it, even if you don't want to do anything with it. But if you do want to do something with it, don't do it for the sake of money. Don't do it because, oh, I've heard, you know, I've seen this girl and she's working with John Lewis and she's probably making X amount of money. Um, That comes after a long time, if at all. You don't know if that's going to happen. So don't do it for the end result. Do it because you enjoy it. Do it because, you know, this is something that I really enjoy. This is what I want to do. Do it for your mental health. If, If, you know, you're creative outlet is there for your mental health go ahead and do it for that don't do it to chase um the end product because that may never come and then you'll be chasing forever so that would be my yeah, advice yeah, like you know it's important yeah go for it and also you know do it because you want to do it don't do it for the sake of it and that kind of brings on especially with it's always interesting to find out what is the kind of the next five to ten year plan what do you <laughs> kind of see yourself do you see yourself as an art teacher a headmaster the next morning is that is that how you pronounce his name is that right what was that sorry what was the last thing you said Monet is that is that how I pronounce it the artist yeah yeah Monet Monet, Picasso it's Picasso right yeah 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 Yeah, they're two different people (laughs) where do you see yourself in the next few years what would be like so what would where do you see yourself in the next few years what would be like yeah I've done well in the last few years um Okay, so before COVID-19 came in, I was like, um, there's going to be a point where I take a break from teaching and I want to do freelancing full time. Um, And it was never going to be like, this is it, I'm packing in teaching because I really, really do enjoy teaching. Um, So I always thought I'm going to take a break and I'm going to do it. So, you know, life worked out and actually I've been six months I've spent at home being able to do this full time and obviously i've been Mm. working with Mm -hmm. school and stuff i've had to but it's not the same you're not teaching literally uploading work um and i think i've realized that maybe it is very very tiring like like i said no two days are the same so i'm out here doing workshops here one day and then i'm going and doing um some brand work and like today there's a podcast and you know every day is really it's Mm -hmm. it can get quite a lot with how much you're packing in yeah um so my plan was to take some time out from teaching and to do Lucy Arts for quite um, like a good amount of time, figure out if that's something that I wanted to do forever. Um, but I've been given that time and now I'm thinking, 
actually yeah. i want to get I, I definitely want to do more brand collaborations i don't want to chase it like i'm not there mm. pitching yeah. um mm. but i would mm. like to pitch to certain um brands because they i look at something so you you don't want to just pitch for the sake of it and say oh i want to work with um so and so brand just because of it i want to i want to be able to look mm. at a product and say do you know what that product would look really good with calligraphy on it i'm going to go and do it i'm going to send them a picture can you do those mock ups yeah yeah like, yeah i can't yeah yeah, yeah i, I was have... just gonna say you probably didn't just buy it do it send it and be like you know how big brands send you like other they're sending like packages right of like yeah. pens and stuff like that whoever it is but you can do the reverse you can send their own products customize back to them back say, to them <laughs> hey what do you think about this and then you're just going to see a representative on john lewis on the instagram i got sent yeah. this yeah <laughs> that's actually um that is actually a good way to um get yourself known on instagram i would say obviously i have a public profile mm. and i use a yeah. certain brand of pen and they saw that because i was yeah. tagging them and i wasn't tagging them to get their attention i was tagging them because yeah. people kept asking me in the dms all the time what's that pen what is that pen what yeah. is that pen so instead of just <laughs> them asking me i just tagged it and then obviously they see that yeah. you're tagging them quite often and you're you're a customer anyway so then they sent me out a big yeah. package of like, you know, yeah. hundreds of pounds worth of products. And they said, oh, you know, can wow. you try this and show your followers this is what you're doing? So that's another yeah. way of getting um, attention. But you've got to be a proper customer first. This was amazing, Lucy. Thank you for taking the time out. Yeah. I know we've kind of been Thank you. juggling times and whatnot and you're super busy. Um, that's all right. Thank you. I'm not saying it. Yeah, but... <laughs> Your work is amazing and like all the all our listeners, like I urge you to go check out Lucy Arts. We'll leave all the descriptions and links below and her oh, handles. You. But it is really amazing. Um and like you don't just do calligraphy, you're doing like you always I don't know, you're always doing weird and wonderful things. It's always on glass <laughs> and I saw one painted on leaves and then you're doing wedding favours. Um and then you're painting on towels. It's amazing. Like what you started off to what you're doing now and kind of seeing that growth and seeing how you've developed and always kind of pursuing what's the next cool thing to do is amazing. Um, Thank you so and much. And I see you as an inspiration, mm-hmm. um, as do many other people. And it kind of encourages me and Am to kind of do even more with the podcast. And we love sharing stories um, like yourself. Um, so thank you, Lucy, thank um, you. for taking the time out. And thank you to all our listeners. If anyone does want to get in touch with Lucy or kind of wants to learn calligraphy, she does regular workshops um so I'm, I'm sure she can help you out but yeah thank you so much thank Lucy. you thank you for having me